You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors. We're a music tech PR firm. And today I'm excited to have my friend Sung Cho, who is the founder and CEO of Chartmetric, with us today as a guest. Sung, how are you doing today? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me, Dimitri. Great to be here. Yes. I've never actually, I've had you on a panel before, but I've never actually interviewed you one-on-one. So this is this is, this is going to be fun. You know, let's just start off, you know, we've got a very diverse audience, um, and but some of them may be new to music tech or the music industry, um, not not most of them, but let's just start off by giving them the, the full picture. What is Chartmetric? Sure. Uh, Chartmetric is a market intelligence platform for the music industry. So let me put it another another way. We are bringing the data from a lot of publicly available data sources. Um, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Deezer, Amazon, these DSPs, as well as social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, or Wikipedia, including, as well as we bring the data from more, more recently, uh, we got TikTok data. Uh, so basically what we are trying to do is to go and search for the data relevant to artists, which shows the trend, how, how the artists or songs are performing. Uh, any proxy information is still useful. So we go get those data, put them together uh, in one place. So you can search for the information you want in just uh, in less than 10 minutes instead of a two hour of research. So trying to save time for people, that's our mission. Gotcha. So, if, but if this is publicly available data, it's this ability to put it together that really is the, the value proposition. Is that right? That's one thing, but that was the beginning uh, of chart metric. And still it is the huge, it is a huge value proposition, but what we are, really trying to do here is to cook those data we get from different sources cooking meaning visualizing or processing the data so we constantly talk to users and hear about how they use the data what type of reports they have been getting getting before how they are actually using the data in their decision makings so mm-hmm. we hear that we try to find ways to still provide the data, but in a way that is more relevant to them. So just the way we present the data is, uh, yeah, there is a lot of thoughts, uh, thought process uh, going in, um, in deciding you know, how we uh, visualize or present the data. So it's the graphical presentation that really starts to help people see the patterns and revelations? Totally. That's one of them. Yes. Graphical presentation plus uh, another uh, big keyword we put here and there is the context. So one, let's say that you have 2.6 million monthly listeners on Spotify. That sounds like a big number, but 2.6 million or 1.5 million, what does that really mean? 2.6 million listeners uh, a year ago, maybe a huge number, might have been a huge number. Today, may not be as high. So this number uh, means different things um, as time goes by and also by context as well. So how do you make sense out of that? 
we can we can make it super easy because we know other people's numbers as well. We have uh, the data about 2.5 million artists. So when you have, let's say, 2.6 million followers on Spotify, we know that it is about uh, 500th uh, position from the top. We know that. Mm. If mm. you have 2.7 million on followers, which is actually, I'm looking at Kane Brown's profile right now. He's got 2.7 million followers on TikTok. That gives him 286th position in that uh, TikTok um, uh, ranking. segment, ranking, uh, our own ranking of artists on TikTok platform. So, so you, you get that contextual see. info about where you stand in relation to others. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Hey, so what led you to start Chart Metrics, Song? Yes. Um, so I am not originally from, originally from music industry. I came into this from mobile gaming industry plus SaaS, uh, software as a service, uh, B2B um, company um, called Oracle. Probably many of you know already. Already. Mm -hmm. So with these two combinations, I've looked at looked at consumer side as well as business side, um, and across this data has been my passion. Data insights, how to bring more insights out of the data. So one as one uh, influence or inspiration was how people use the data in the gaming industry. So gaming industry, mobile gaming or PC games, if you think about them, it's quite nerdy. You know, those uh, people playing game uh, are nerdy, but also those people who are creating games, they are, they are creative people, but also very nerdy people, meaning lots of people in the gaming industry, they are extremely like well-versed with the data. So there are lots of great platforms or tools providing those data insights for the people I've been used to uh, seeing these data insights in that industry. Uh, so I wanted to see if I can bring some values to another industry with such insights. And music just came to my mind. It's something everyone can relate to. And I'm a huge fan of music. Uh, it's something fun, exciting, and totally relevant. Uh, 2,000 years later, people will be still consuming music. There's no doubt about that. So there is no, like, there is some small ups and downs, but this industry will stay forever. Uh, I thought if I wanted to create a company, start a company, it would be, be fun and nice to start a company around, um, yeah, something exciting. So that's how I picked, uh, chose the music industry. And there are some predecessors here already, uh, Music Metric, you know, similar named, similarly named uh, as us, or um, uh, Next Big Sound acquired by Pandora. They have shown what could be done in this industry, what kind of data are available, and how people were using the data. So those uh, provided some great insights of what type of product we can create. So that was the beginning of Chartmetric, and we kept on evolving since then so it's you been hit about four years journey yes four yes 
Yeah, so you had been uh, in, in gaming and, and kind of seen how the, the analytics and data worked there and, and uh, kind of got intrigued with, with that, but you wanted to apply it to another space and were really interested in music and thought it would be fun to work in music. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Must have been a big music fan, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. I am more, I guess, big music fan is one thing, but also more inspired by those are like, you know, like those people who are striving uh, to become big here. I mean, any industry, you can find passionate people who, someone who is trying to be a great banker, great lawyer, great doctor, you know, someone great, everyone aspires to be something like that. But I, I don't think any other industry has these many people who are sincerely, genuinely passionate about something. Maybe skateboarding, community maybe uh but other than that i think music industry i'm just constantly constantly touched by these new talents who are really giving up on everything else to make it here so that kind of energy really gives strength and power to me and i wanted to find like if can there be a way that i can contribute to those talents uh by yeah, creating something with my own talents, uh, with computer science and data analysis. So that was my interesting. Yeah, so you 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 wanted to make you wanted to make something that would help those passionate people do 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 better, do have more career success. Exactly. Yeah, that's precisely precisely. Wow, that's Got my it. bigger actually passion and motivation. So that brings. Great. So that brings us around to your your users. Who are the most common users within the industry, and and how do they, more specifically, use Chartmetric? What do you see them doing in Chartmetric mm. or asking for? So uh, it has evolved as well. In the beginning, we had uh, we had interests from artist managements, uh, artist management companies. I think because they were. Uh, generally uh, relatively less um, privileged with the, the access to the data in general. Mm-hmm. Record mm-hmm. labels had access to the data, sales data, stream count, always. But artist management, uh, they are managing social media and also websites and you know, also, but like how artists perform uh, with their music, that's also super relevant to artist managers but uh, how are, like how they tour and you know, tour data. Artist managers need all kinds of data to properly help artists grow. So they are the people who are nurturing artists in their uh, life cycle. And they were, they've been hungry for data. Uh, so I think that's what triggered here this when, I, when we first launched. But over time, we kept those artist managers, management companies, but uh, we got more diverse uh, users over time, more record labels, of course, uh, joining to become our users, as well as distributors uh, and also age talent agencies like music. So we have more diverse um, group of people now. How they are using Chartmetric, what they get out of Chartmetric, um, I can say one of the one of the reasons, one of the primary use cases is playlist tracking, very obvious one. 
you always want to track playlists when your music gets into a playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon, Deezer. You want to get notified, you want to know, and so that you can take on action whether you should push your marketing budget into that sector bigger or not. So that's one reason. But uh, over time, uh, we provided really more and more insights around everything else other than playlists. So use cases have uh, diversified uh, through that. So if I give one more example, uh, is one um, is A&R side. So we are not, we have an A&R dashboard, but more uh, relevant use case is new artists pop up every corner, any corner of the earth, new artists can pop up mm -hmm. on any platform. Of, of, you know, more likely on YouTube or Instagram, these days more on TikTok. But uh, these are not limitations. New artists may emerge everywhere in any place. So when somebody emerges and begin to show some tractions, that's when fans notice, that's when those decision makers begin to notice as well. Um, but uh, that's where I think is more time, most time-consuming part. There are too many signals like that. Mm -hmm. Anytime you will get ten, you know, one thousand people showing some interesting uh, signals, but uh, only you need to find your own fit uh, for your company or organization. So how do you go from one thousand candidates, applicants, or candidates from the finalist, top five or top 10, that process is one of the most time-consuming processes I have seen. Uh, once you have these people and you have to go and research one by one, listen to their songs, check out their bios, check out their profiles on TikTok or Instagram and read their comments on YouTube, extremely time-consuming. So we have already, uh, we are tracking so many artists already so chances are that when you hear about an artist, come to Chartmetric, search for that artist's name, chances are that we have been tracking some numbers, maybe not everything, but some numbers or data uh, for the last three months already. So you can see if this um, recent uh, trend, whatever that is, uh, whether mm -hmm. it is a overnight success or something that has been happening over time very solidly with strong fan engagement. That's what you want to see in the, in, in the end, not just an overnight success and huge, uh, uh, just uh, fanfare and then like, you know, like some you know, overvalued, over, overvalued assets. You don't want to buy that, you know, you want to buy a real asset. So kind of like a picking the right stock, you know, in the stock mm -hmm. market, you have mm -hmm. to, look at all these other numbers as well. Um, so that's kind of what we are trying to provide here. Song, so you're saying that, uh, you know, you might notice an overnight success. Maybe it's a, a meme-related thing or, or a TikTok or something. But if you look at the data, you can see whether there's a consistent fan base that's already building. Is that is that what you're implying? Totally. I think, uh, yeah, through the conversations I had with our users, I think... Uh, I believe that that's what people are looking for. Of course, overnight success means something. There is something, you know, this stock is really trending. You want to go and get 
uh, this uh, trend and you can make it really big. At the same time, you know, I think it's also, it also depends on the tendency, like how, what type of talents you want to recruit or sign. Um, and, but I believe more companies look for those artists who have, even though a small number of fans who have very, very loyal fan base, who really love to interact with these artists and these artists sincerely, uh, and transparently communicate with their fans, uh, and like working really hard, uh, over you know, a longer period, a long period of time. And that is the great potential that you want to find. And those artists tend to make it big. That's at least what I have observed in this industry so far. There are many like, yeah, even Billie Eilish and suddenly became so huge. But, you know, everyone knows that there has been like, you know, sufferings and long like you know, efforts, uh, grinding efforts that went in in her life before she became this big. So mm-hmm. I think it's a pattern you find in any industry as well. Like, again, skating industry. I'm actually watching Tony Hawk, uh, some documentaries mm-hmm. or some like interviews these days. So I'm a little mm-hmm. uh, obsessed with that. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, that's happening in anywhere. Yes. Tony Hawk, by the way. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. He yeah. is he is amazing, and I bet that's an industry where I mean, analytics are really tough to track. <laughs> yes. hard, hard, hard to digitize that hard data. Hard to digitize that data. Like someday, <laughs> someday, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah. So when you uh, talk about the A and R stuff, is that typically record labels, publishers, managers, festivals, everything? Mm, it can be anything. I think. I think uh, mostly when you when you think about A and R, uh, record labels first primary audience for that. But these days. Mm. Uh, I see that demand, uh, that appetite uh, everywhere in the end. Let's say that, let's talk about brands. Uh, you have a shoes brand uh, that is very trendy, like uh, teenagers love that brand and you want to sponsor the right artists. How do you find the right person? It's, you know, many times through connections and intros, you get to meet this artist and sponsor, but at the same time, People want to find those artists who will be the next Billie Eilish. That's a like, you know, lottery ticket. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? Look, of course, it's extremely hard. Like a huge amount of luck you are going to need. But uh, yes, in the end, that's what uh, people want in the end. Uh, in the brands, in the agencies, in live scene in record music, in artist management. Everyone is looking for jewels. And how do you identify them? It's your own gut um, in the end, but data can assist that. Right. Yeah. So earlier you were talking about understanding what it means when you get on a certain playlist. I'm curious, does getting on user-generated playlists help increase streams Mm. significantly, or is it all about the editorial playlist from the staff that work at Spotify or Apple or so forth? Yeah. um, You know, it's in the end, uh, it's machine plus human collaboration, meaning in the end, what people want is always, in the end, they want to get into one of those editorial playlists. Not only just editorial, a big editorial playlist uh, on any mm. of these platforms. That's the eventual goal. 
But when you think about how those curators or the algorithms inside Spotify or Apple, if you think about how that actually works, you know, they have their own struggles as well. Uh, content curation team, they want to find the right ones, right talent, right songs that will resonate with those listeners. So it's a struggle on that side as well. If you think about that, uh, how do you solve that problem? How do you solve? How do how do you make those struggles easier, uh, more discoverable? There are many ways. Uh, in the end, curators look for what's happening in user-generated playlists, what's happening outside of the platform, not only Spotify, Apple, but what's happening in this world, in this society, uh, what is trending, what is trending on TikTok, for example. You know, those songs will become bigger later, then yes, curators will pay attention to those songs. So uh, it's really a combination, a mix of everything. So it doesn't, you know, like getting into many user-generated playlists doesn't guarantee uh, that, that you are getting into one of those big editorial, but at least for sure, it increases the chance of getting spotted by mm, mm. one of those edit editors uh, on curation team. So totally valuable, I, I think, if those you know, initial signs and user-generated generated playlists, if that snowball grows bigger and bigger over time, of course, very solid, valid sign, uh, you can do more marketing or push to more user-generated playlists, or it may happen naturally, vitally. Uh, either way, uh, I think it does uh, increase the opportunities or chances for sure. So one of the projects mm. we worked on at Chartmetric was to try, try to find the link between the two uh, because we have been tracking millions of playlists and we know which song when, went into the playlist last year came out and plugged into another playlist and plugged into more playlists. Those trends, we have very granular data here. So we ran a uh, big uh, project to find those links. I don't have a like a very decisive uh, answer or uh, one statement or two about this, but at least I can say that we actually have a feature in Chartmetric called Playlist Journeys, where if you click on a song uh, or if you click on a playlist, you can see which songs went through, how many songs went through this playlist and landed on another playlist. So there is a link between mm. user-generated and editorial in this uh, connections. And you can kind of visualize this um, through this tool. So definitely there are connections, linkings. Gotcha. That's that's good info to have. So um, we've seen in the last few years a lot of uh, services related to play playlist promotion pop up. I'm curious, and, and, and I've seen some... Some bubbling up about some of these companies uh, getting uh, taken taken down by by a, a streaming provider like a Spotify. What what is your take on the playlist promotion companies? Yeah, sometimes we our users are some of our users are naturally very interested in this promotion. Um, so they ask if we provide such service, 
but we do not, at least for now. Uh, but uh, I know I've seen a couple of companies that has uh, you know come and gone. And also those companies who really smartly created this uh, platforms to survive and really like serving the industry and ecosystem. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, those companies that get paid directly from users, uh, from people for the promise of plugging the songs into the playlists. Sometimes it may work, you know, that industry, that uh, system, ecosystem still exists um, big time still. But I just feel like uh, that's just not a, not a good use of money in the end. Um, in the end, in the end, those audience, those uh, playlist listeners, they know um, if it's a promotional or if it's genuine, like a great curation or not. It's quite easy to detect over time. So in the end, those playlists who have real audience, those playlists or curators, they have their own voice of you know which songs to select, not by the ones that paid the most, but the ones that uh, you know resonate the best with mm-hmm. their own audience, their own listeners. Uh, those curators win the game in the end. So mm. how do you in the end? So the the question is, how do you connect with those curators who are genuine, who are well intended, who really know uh, what their listeners, what their audience like to listen to? That's still a big, big uh, homework here. Uh, it's it's a tough problem. But if you think about mm-hmm. this problem, it's happening everywhere. Not only in the music industry, again, back in the gaming industry, uh, game game producers or developers want to find the right game publishers to reach their audience. Without a great publisher, no matter how great game you have, your game is not going to be discovered. The competition is too fierce. There are new games popping up every other day on app stores hundreds of new games pop up. So out of them, how do you win the game? How do you win the attention of those game players uh, on the other side? There gotta be some system between the two to reduce the fractions, frictions, I mean. So I think two companies, uh, Summit Hub and Playlist Push, I think these two companies uh, really figured out um, how to minimize how to how to reduce those frictions without uh, promoting uh, some illegal activities or payolas. So mm-hmm. some smart entrepreneurs like these two companies, you know, they figured out uh, how to how to help uh, both sides. So I think that's the key to this problem. If you only help curators, you're going to fail. If you only help artists, curators are not going to like it. But if you try to solve the problems between the two and reduce frictions, that makes business opportunities. And I think that kind of business model makes sense, totally makes sense mm-hmm. for everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So you guys also uh, track uh, social media, not not mm-hmm. just streaming. Right. Um, and I'm curious, as a result of being able to correlate uh, social media activity and streaming activity, if you can share maybe some of the best practices for artists using social media to increase streams and, and revenue from streaming services. Yes. Uh, I think this is something everyone in the artist management, everyone strives for and cares about. I believe there are many, many good practices there, which I'm not an expert of, but at least what I observe from here, we have tried to see the correlation between the two um, by looking at our data as well. Mm-hmm. Is there a mm-hmm. correlation when there is a huge increase on Instagram followers? Does that translate to increased listen counts or more consumptions on streaming platforms. Yes, uh, of course, of course they are correlated. Uh, Sometimes it's very obvious and visible, sometimes not so much. But um, in the end, social media, what the roles they play is, again, uh, exposure. Let's say that uh, you appear on Saturday Night Live or Jimmy Fallon shows what we what we dis, you know, what we see after those uh, appearances, um, or you know you like you know the, <clears throat> yeah so or uh, you know after those appearances, what we observe here is there is a appetite like you know if this artist was not so well known, then those audience they are curious about this artist, and what they do mm-hmm. is they go to Google first. Look for this name. Who is this person? Um, and that is captured through Wikipedia page views in our system. Mm-hmm. So we look at mm-hmm. them. Uh, after TV shows, there's a big increase on Wikipedia page views as a result of Google search. But at the same time, what I see is um, YouTube video consumption increases around the same time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there is that kind of correlation. And uh, around the same time, I can also see that there is a big increase in Instagram follower count. So again, I'm actually looking at Kane Brown's profile page on Chartmetric right now. Kane Brown appeared on Jimmy Fallon show in, on May 14th. Right after that, um, daily video views on YouTube went up from uh, 1.3 million to 1.8 million. Uh, up and down, and Jimmy Fel- uh, Kane Brown gained uh, a lot more Instagram followers around the same time as well, like 6,700 hmm. more followers on May 18th specifically. So the way I want to imp- interpret this is social media following in the end, uh, the more and more followers you have, uh, it gives you you just more like wider platforms, uh, bigger reach, uh, audience reach, uh, but it doesn't mean that this audience will actually consume or purchase uh, in the end, but at least you have bigger reach, which you can leverage someday. So one, it, in the end, it goes hand, you know, like hand, hand uh, by hand, side by side, you, mm-hmm. they positively uh, impact um, each other constantly, so that's not a magic answer. Everyone, you know, like uh, <laughs> as you know, as everyone guessed, 
but at least what I want to see is I can see uh, those things happening in as a data uh, as a result. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it may be, I mean, I know that several years ago before next big sound was acquired uh, by Pandora, they did a report about Wikipedia search uh, preceding uh, kind of a retail surge, and I can't remember whether whether I think it might have been downloads. Even I'm not, I'm not sure. It was a while while back. So it's interesting to hear that Wikipedia still holds this position as a first go to place, probably as a result of its own SEO. Um, but it may be that uh, you know management teams labels may not know exactly what's happening with artists at any given time. They see some sort of surge, and then they look backwards and say, "Okay, what just happened? Oh, we should we should leverage this thing that just happened a collaboration or an." appearance or a, a, a tour date or, or, or something like that um, might be an interesting thing to look at yeah, as well. Yeah, very, very good point. That is exactly something we want to make easier through chart metric. So what happened in the last month, everyone has a vivid memory about that already. There was a campaign, you spent $50,000 or $100,000 on this campaign and it went well. Fans love those campaigns and new videos or songs, and they, re they responded. It went great. So everyone has this very vivid memory about this, but what happened about a year ago, you, know, you spent $50,000, same, and ran a campaign, something happened, and everyone cheered, moved on. But uh, some of those were more successful, some of those were less um, you want to go back in time and check those out to learn from them, those experiences, and apply them, those knowledges in your new campaigns. I think that's how you can always optimize and perform better in the next uh, campaign. And that's mm -hmm. something we wanted to make uh, really easy here through the chart metric by showing those numbers in on time series all the time. Right, so retaining yeah. that information and being able to pull analytics over time from from different experiments or experiences, and and going from there. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, got it. So earlier this year, uh, Chartmetric launched a TikTok music chart. Mm. I'm curious uh, what you've learned from from watching that data, and uh, also curious if you know if music trending on TikTok operates very differently than on music streaming services. So what do you have to share from your, your, your TikTok data watching? Yes, yes, such a fun topic. Um, we added uh, TikTok top tracks charts as well as TikTok top users charts uh, recently. And when it comes to those most popular, most trending song on TikTok, um, can you guess? That's the one that I danced to the other day. Oh, yeah. It's called Lexed Siren Beat. You know how many videos were created with this song so far? Not not so far. At this moment, how many videos are around that song? 51 million videos um, wow. were created with this song. But why? Is this song so great? Yes. Uh, if you listen to the... I listened to the whole song. Not only did it's TikTok portion, but the whole song... I think it's a great song. Yeah, Jawish uh, 685, you know, the voice is great, the beat is very fun, 
and just you know naturally you're gonna dance to this beat so it's a fun song but at the same time there are many other songs like that of course already uh fun beat and great voice um i don't know that much about this artist uh himself but relatively unknown artist and now the biggest star on tiktok biggest music on tiktok um that is something unique about tiktok uh, for sure um people take only that 15 seconds uh part from the song or maximum i would say 60 seconds uh, only that portion of the song and usually people create videos be they create dance moves for sure that's the most popular way of expressing um through these songs but also people create very creative uh, interesting, fun videos of such as, you know, cooking or building a structure or making something amazing like magical shape using paints. So all mm -hmm. these videos, there are certain beats and certain style of music that somehow goes really well with this um, video cuts. So if you look at you know those uh, some of those popular videos on TikTok, they are comprised of many like small cuts, uh, changing scenes uh, one by one. So some songs really go well with that uh, type of scene changes because these songs have very distinctive distinctive or distinct beats uh, or transitions with it. Uh, so I, it looks like you know those kinds of songs work better on TikTok, uh, but you know, it's not a, like one or two rules. There are so many different uh, popular songs on TikTok, um, but that's just one rule of thumb. Uh, hmm. In the end, what happens here is some type of songs um, get uh, picked up by one of those TikTok celebrities. And here's another thing, you know, one TikTok celebrity posts a video then those celebrities you know how many how many fans they have like for example number one tiktok celebrity charlie d'amelio she has 69 million followers on tiktok platform mm. globally around the world lauren gray has 45 million will smith has 30 million um actually the rock is such a he is such a celebrity everywhere and including on TikTok as well, having 27 million followers. So ranked at 16th on our chart. So these people, they create a video with a song and those people who follow these, they are, many of them are teenagers. They wanna express themselves through the music and they create their own version of TikTok videos uh, using the same song and they they feel like it's fun and more and so there is such a like effect like waves happening on TikTok all the time here and there um so uh, i think it's really interesting uh to look at that and capture that wave and see what's happening here um yeah so again those songs somehow that catches those wave they come back uh come back to other streaming platforms so this is such an mm. obvious 
such an obvious thing that I observed again and again many times. For example, uh, the the top tracks, uh, the weekly top tracks uh, chart. When I look at that, the number one mm-hmm. song is called "Konyo" uh, by Puri. So, what's this song? Who is this artist? Interesting thing is uh, when I see this trend, uh, this this specific track "Konyo," um, just two months ago had only one hundred and sixty-seven thousand videos on TikTok. Two months later, today, less than two months later, today, this song ha- uh, has sixteen million videos mm. created with this song. What I see right here is when this song. Began to trend more and more TikTok, more and more on TikTok. Um, the trending began on May 18th. That's what I see uh, from the data. But about a week ago, uh, the upward trending movement happened on Spotify about a week ago. About uh, two weeks later, uh, YouTube video views skyrocketed. Uh, also, on Genius, uh, that lyrics platform on Genius, I see that something began, something began to happen on May 20th, just two days later. Mm. And mm. people began to shazam more. That tends to follow a little later, uh, according to this data. On June, around like early June, that's when people began to shazam uh, this song more. <laughs> so what this tells so are you, is so, so song yeah oh, go ahead leading leading the trend yes in many cases yes so t- so so you see a trend start on tiktok yes next thing you see people looking up lyrics probably because they want to understand what they're seeing or possibly <laughs> maybe make their own video and learn the lyrics yes and then they hear the song somewhere else and they're like that's so familiar what is it let me shazam it because they've already seen it on tiktok mm. and now they're hearing it somewhere else so they shazam it and then but you're saying it really doesn't start to appear i guess people are so engaged with interacting with it on shazam and on tiktok that it's kind of this meme experience at that moment but later they start adding it to playlists. They start looking it up on Spotify and you're saying they look up even later on YouTube. Maybe they're looking for the TikTok videos on YouTube. Could be, could be the case. Yes. But is that the order? It goes TikTok, TikTok, lyrics, uh, (laughs) Shazam, Spotify, and then YouTube. (laughs) I don't know. It depends, but uh, at least in just one example that I see here. uh, Yeah, that's kind of what I see here. Yes. Yes. Mm. And so that's something chart metric users can now see with your TikTok data is to see what kind of order these things are, are trending in and what role TikTok has to play in getting people over to paid services. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Got it. Awesome. Well, that was a fun little case study. And Song, it's been so much fun to have you on the podcast and and hear from the the wizard behind the the curtain of chart metric. Thanks for joining me on uh, Music Tectonics. Thank you so much, Dimitri. It was a pleasure. All right. Okay, thanks so much. And thank you for listening to Music Tectonics. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, but there's something else you can do. We have just launched the Music Tectonics app. If you go to the iOS or Android stores, we now have an app that is basically like a social media app for everyone that's interested in music tech. It's free to join. Once you're there, you can ask questions. You can keep up with news in the music tech industry, not only about what we're doing with online events and podcasts with Music Tectonics, but across the entire music and 
Music Tech Spaces. In fact, this Friday, July 13th, you have a chance to interview Sung Cho, the CEO of Chartmetric yourself within the Music Tectonics app because he's doing an AMA, an Ask Me Anything, in the Music Tectonics app. Uh, again, that's on July 17th. He will be available starting at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Prior to that, we'll have Sherry Hu, the great music tech journalist. She'll be there from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern. And the CEO of CD Baby and AVL Digital, Tracy Maddox, will be available in the app from 2 to 3 p.m. All three of them are part of our Amarama, our Ask Me Anything Fest within the Music Tectonics app. So check out either version of the app. So you can search for those in either of the uh, app stores. You can also go to app.musictectonics.com and sign up there. Thanks so much for listening. You're listening to Music Tectonics.